amazing Ellie, Pastor Ellie, to come up. On now. There we go. There we go. Me and technology, we, we really don't go well together, but we'll see how we go. Oh my goodness, how good is that song, Here in the Father's House? That's definitely a song for me. I just, I love that song. It would have been a song definitely over lockdown. I listened to that song on repeat. And I just, it was so catchy. And I'd hear the kids like singing, check your shame at the door, because it ain't welcome. And I'm like, man, it's so good when your kids catch it. When your kids catch it, it's so important for us to put worship on in our home. It shifts the atmosphere. I don't know about you, but when things are going a bit rotten in the day, when things are not kind of going so well, I just test you just to put some worship on and see if it stays the same. See if you still feel that flatness, if you still feel that frustration. But when you've got something like that playing, how can you not start singing how good he is? And that's how you lift that heaviness off. You know, he gives us that praise. It's, it's, we, we sing to him because we love him, but it's not actually for him, it's for us. It's for us to lift the burdens up. We sing to him because we take our eyes off the natural and we put them into the supernatural and it shifts things and it changes things. There's power in our words and that's what I love. If, if you can just sing worship throughout the day, you are breaking strongholds. You're setting captives free. You're shifting the atmosphere and you're making a difference just by singing. So, so many people I think you think, oh, I'm not spiritual, I've got nothing going on. Just sing. Just sing. It's got scripture in it, it's got life in it, and it's, it feeds your soul and it nourishes you. And definitely for me, worship gets me through. I'm far by no means, I'm not the greatest singer in the world, even though I like to believe I am. And I definitely believe at home I pretend to be the worship leader. But. <laughs> I'm not sure, probably poor, poor Savannah this morning in the shower, probably the girls probably woke up to me singing away. Um, yeah, no, it's good, it's good, it's good to be here this morning. Man, it's unbelievable, can you believe it? I haven't preached in over a year. Wow, eh? over a year I haven't preached. And so I guess this morning, I just want to take you on a bit of a journey. Um, Michael asked me to preach on forgiveness. And then um, sometimes your brain, I had this message on my heart for so long. And then sometimes at the last minute, I'm like, oh, I actually should formulate that into like what everyone thinks forgiveness is. And um, so I ended up writing a second message. And then I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And I just felt unsettled. I'm like, why am I trying to be like everyone else? Because I'm, I'm free to be me, right? And it's like, just, just do you. And I said to Michael last night, but you come out with all these profound, pathetic, like, pathetic. <laughs> I'm not very good with words. Prophetic things. Um, and so I was like, and you come out with all these teachings and you link it all back into the stories of the Bible. And I've just got stories. And he's like, just tell stories because that's what you do. And I'm like, that is what I do. So I say this morning, I hope you guys are buckled in and ready to go and take flight. Um, maybe be like focused because who knows where I'm going to land this thing or where I'm going to go. So are you ready? I've got a year's worth. No, I'm doing <laughs> No, 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 I'm good. But I just say an amazing thing happened like would have been not last week, the week before. I actually took some time and I went down to Nelson. I said to Michael, I think I just need to go. 
I need to go down to Nelson. It was a year anniversary of my mum passing. I said, I'm not sure if I've actually processed grief. Like, is there a time when you're like, tick, processed? So I said to him, I think I need to go. I need to stop and just see if I've, if I've done this thing because I know how important it is to do. Um, and I'm quite a, I'm, I guess I'm like an energizer bunny. I'm like, I live life here. And so sometimes I need to stop and live life down here. And that's actually quite hard for me to do. It's the hard work of rest, isn't it? But when we rest, that's our weapon of warfare, is when we can stop and rest, we're actually, that's a, that's a spiritual discipline, isn't it? And quite often I have to be careful, because who knows, the enemy wants to wear, our, wear us out. And he wears us out with being busy and doing and go, go, go. So I'm like the perfect candidate for that, because I'm like, yes! But sometimes I have to stop, and I have to make space for that stop, and actually tell myself it's okay. It's okay to stop. It's okay to just be, the world's not going to fall apart because that's not, that's not up to me. He's a big God. He's got it in control. I think he can handle it for a day if Ali checks out for a day. So sometimes we have to remind ourselves that it's okay to stop. So I went down to Nelson. I haven't even got onto my message yet anyway. Um, we went down to Nelson and um, it was just so beautiful. So the first day I flew in, I just took Zeke, left Michael with the rest of them. <laughs> and I took Zeke and I just went to Nelson. And I, I just wanted to walk around. I just wanted to be there. Um, so I went for a walk and I walked up to my mum's old house, which was pretty emotional. Um, a lot of memories. I walked up there and I felt the tears coming and I had to be, it's okay to cry, Ali. It's okay. Because quite often I'm like, oh, too busy for that. Let's keep going. So I was like, it's okay to stop and just take it in. So I just kind of like walked around the park around my mum's house and had a good cry. And then I actually felt a massive sense of peace come over me. I had this huge sense of peace where it wasn't grief. There was just this peace. And then the next minute I found myself walking around Nelson to all the spots that my mum and I hung out, where we took and we played with Savannah, where we went to cafes. And I just honestly, I've come back feeling a whole sense of peace. The grief hasn't taken over me. It hasn't held me captive. It's freed me. And there's a lot of forgiveness even in that. Like, you get angry, don't you? With think, when you lose something you love, there's, there's such a process. There's a process of unforgiveness because you actually are suddenly realizing that this person's gone. And who knows, in every relationship, there's issues. I love my mum to pieces, but every relationship, there's some issues. And I felt like I had the time to talk those out and process those and understand, like, what went on in my childhood? Because I had a pretty bumpy start. Um, but then both mum and I came to found Jesus, and that's where everything changed. And so that's what I want to talk about today. There's different types of forgiveness, but for me, I'm like, man, my story is forgiveness. I'm standing here today because I've been forgiven. You know, I'm alive today because I've been forgiven. Because I'm not sure if I didn't find Jesus, I'm not sure if I actually would be here. And that might be hard for a lot of people to understand. They see me as this bright, bubbly person. But who knows, sometimes with those kind of characteristics, you can go down deep pretty fast. And I know dark. I really know dark. And that was my childhood. But I got saved. And I found Jesus. And I got forgiven for much. So now freely I can forgive. So, here we go in the notes. <laughs> Forgiveness is not always easily given, is it? But it's vitally important. When there is forgiveness in a relationship, it sets us free from revenge and anxiety. And I think we live in a very anxious world. And often we don't tie anxiety with forgiveness. But I see there's a very huge link in there. You know, we're all called to reconciliate. 
be reconciled to the Father, reconciled to each other. You know, there's so much reconciliation that needs to take place. And it's a journey. And I'm letting you know today, I'm definitely on a journey. There's no way that I'm, I've made it, I've arrived. I'm just sharing a journey that I'm on at the moment. And 2 Corinthians says in 5 verse 17, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. Thank goodness I'm a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus, gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself because he loves you because he's a good father. He reconciled you to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. So God doesn't count sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And therefore Christ's ambassadors, as through God, we're making his appeal through us. We employ on you Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you that you don't count my sin against me. Lord, that you've set me free. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. And Father, today we just come with our hearts and we just open them up to you. And Lord, anywhere where we've set ourselves captive, we just invite you in to set us free this morning. Lord, we just welcome the Holy Spirit to speak truth and wisdom. Father, I thank you this morning that it's you that goes out. It's you. It's not my words. Father, you just use me and I'm a vessel. And Lord, I thank you and I take it a great honor and a privilege just to share my heart and share my journey that I'm on with you. And Father, this morning I just pray for encounters. I pray for miracles. I pray for, for chains to fall off, walls to come down, and vulnerability to enter in, and true, true liquid love to fill all those areas where we feel lack, where we feel unloved. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You know, as lovers of Jesus, we are to act like Jesus acted. Love how he loved. But how do we practically live out forgiveness when we've been hurt, misunderstood? For me, that's been a huge one, misunderstood. I mean, I felt misunderstood so much of my life and forsaken, where we feel lonely, we feel isolated. How do we transform a city if we aren't truly transformed and reconciled ourselves? You know, this is a journey I'm on, and it's a journey of uncovering the true alley that the Father's created. And I want to invite you on your own journey to, to uncover who the Father has created you to be. And I want to look at three different forgivenesses. There's forgiveness God, self, and others. So God, self, and others. And hopefully you can hear that as I just share a bit of my journey with you, that these things are important for us to have a look at. Because quite often we just think it's forgiveness between you and me, but quite often we need to forgive ourselves and we need to forgive the Father and understand that the Father has forgiven us. So have you given yourself permission to hold on to unforgiveness? Because quite often we do. Like I was hurt, there was an injustice, and I have the right to hold on to this. But what does true forgiveness look like? How do we forgive from the heart? Forgiveness shows up time and time again when someone misunderstands us and we experience injustice. I don't know about you, but there isn't many relationships where you don't feel some sort of pain, some sort of failure, and so take some sort of unforgiveness towards it. We all feel some sort of injustice at some point, vengeance. But the Bible is very clear that vengeance belongs to the Lord. As followers of Jesus, forgiveness isn't optional. It is crucial for us to be able to love. We must freely 
give. I refuse to seek vengeance, but I'll turn it over to a judge that I trust, the Father. But do you trust the Father to settle the matter? I trust you to settle this for me. I've had that over my life so many times where I've had this issue. I've had an issue where I've had to trust the Father. And for me, one of them, and once again, I'm going off topic here, but that's sometimes where we go. For me, the injustice, just to explain it to you, because sometimes we need to unpack it a bit. So for me, as, as oft, most of you know, I had Savannah before I met Michael. And her, with the issue I had, so I, we have her dad in the picture. And for a while there, things were very rocky, very rocky. And I'm like, God, he talked about moving to Australia. I'm like, yes, Lord, send him over there. Thank you for answering my prayers. That would be fabulous. But who knows, that's not how God works. And the next minute, his dad calls me up and he's like, can I confide in you? I need help. And I'm like, man, I was just, I was just like wishing this person to be on the other side of the world. And now, out of the blue, they call me and they want to, they need, they need my help. And the next minute, I was on the phone for an hour, telling about Jesus, talking to him, sharing with him. And then I suddenly realized that I had to love this person. Because if I didn't love him, I'm actually rejecting my own flesh and blood, my daughter. So I had to choose to love. I had to choose to forgive. And then I had to choose to walk it out. Even when I didn't feel like it, even when things were coming and stones were being thrown my way, I chose love. I chose to love him. And now we actually have an incredible relationship. We can call. He comes around. We have them around for Christmas. We have friendship. There's no animosity there. I have no hate, only love. And that changes everything. It changes everything because God's into reconciliation. He's into family. Even if your family looks a little different than what he actually created to be, he's into family and he'll always bring reconciliation. But we have to have an open heart and we have to trust the Father that he's going to walk that through with us. Because I couldn't do it without him. It would just be impossible. Because how often do we hold people guilty? I could have held him guilty. Like that did not work out how I wanted it to work out and you're the problem. But quite often God's like, and it's like, the problem's actually in here. So we we write people off. We drive them away. Hold on to unforgiveness. And it affects every area of our lives. Not just our own lives, but the people that love us, that are around us. So my my testimony is one of great forgiveness. So I'm just going to share a a bit of this journey. So when I looked up the word forgiveness in Hebrew, it has three different meanings, which I thought was kind of interesting because I kind of see it as three different parts. So what the word translates to, and I can't speak Hebrew. I'm really sorry if there's any Hebrew scholars here. I struggle with English at the best. Um, So so there is three different words. So kapar, it says to cover. So this is, there's three different meanings in the Hebrew. So kapar means to cover, to cover over, and to overspread. And I think that's a beautiful picture of Jesus, how he covers us. Nagar, the lifting up. Secondly, the carrying. And thirdly, the taking away of burdens. What a beautiful picture. And the third word is slacha. The primary idea is that being one of lightness. And I think of that scripture where it says Jesus takes our burdens and he carries them away. I'm like, man, that's the word forgiveness. He lifts those things off us. He makes us feel light. And that's literally how I felt when I came back from Nelson. I felt lighter. I felt everything just felt lighter. So I gave my heart to Jesus 13 years ago, and everything changed. So the glasses I had been seeing the world through suddenly became clear. So I was seeing the world through these scratched, buffed-up glasses, 
and they're all fogged up and broken. And when I accepted Jesus into my life, I started seeing it through the sun. And I love how Leif Hetland puts it. He says sunglasses, like S-O-N. I see some of you got that. <laughs> Don't worry, usually I would take a little while to collect too. You know, I experienced that lifting. I experienced forgiveness from the Father. And to be honest, I don't even know, I didn't even know what a good father was. I didn't understand what that meant, the forgiveness. And just looking back on my journey, like, man, he really forgave me. Jesus seemed so real, but the Father, when I first accepted Jesus, I didn't know him. I knew him as God. And that looked very angrily and probably very disappointed in me because I really hadn't lived up to what he would have expected. But now that I have Jesus, and Jesus to me seems exciting. This is, this is when I got saved here. Jesus seemed exciting and things were changing. Jesus was quick to move in my life. You know, when you first get saved and things are like pow, 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 and you're like, wow, this is amazing. And you can't live there forever because he's like, you have to grow up sometimes. So I've given you your milk. Now you've got to start chewing. Um, and sometimes you don't want to chew. I like shakes. Anyone else? I'm like, no time for ch ch chewy. Like, let's just go. Um, anyway, but I don't, so things just started to change. I don't feel like the weight of the world was coming down on me anymore because he took my burdens away. Something in my spirit had shifted. I'd gone from being an orphan of this world to being adopted into the king's family. John 14 verse 18 says, I will not leave you as orphan. I will come to you. Psalm 68 says, to the fatherless, he is the father. To the widow, he's the champion friend. To the lonely, he makes them a part of a family. To the prisoners, he leads into prosperity until they sing of joy. This is our holy God and his holy place. But for the rebels, there's a heartache and despair. And definitely before I met Jesus, I was, I was a good rebel. I did the world good. And I know what heartache and despair feels like. The shackles of unforgiveness that I was holding were, were coming undone. And now as time goes on and I grew in Christ, I discovered the Father. And the more forgiveness has become a way of life. He never takes you back to your past to condemn you. He only takes you back to free you. For me, pre-Jesus, I was consumed by the world. I understood the hurt and pain that is out there. I've experienced it. Moving country from a young age, broken family, isolation. I did binge eating, I did overweight, I did bullying, anorexia, physical abuse, mental abuse, addiction, self-medicating, controlling relationship, near-death experiences, depression, suicidal thoughts. I did destruction very well. If you can manage me as an energizing bunny for Jesus, you can manage me as energizing bunny in the world. Two different things going extreme. I was always running, always running, running away the thoughts of running to change. I always thought if I just move, if I just did something different, things would change and I would just constantly run. So I lived in, in, that, in the space from the age of 10 to 22, I lived in over 20 houses. I did running really well. There was broken family situations that moved me, then leaving home at a very young age, that I just got into places and I just kept moving and I kept moving when things got tough. I would come up with a great reason to run from the pain, run from people, confrontation, to get myself out of danger, I ran. But there comes a time in your life where you have to be willing to stop and process. As much as we run in the physical, we can never outrun the spiritual. Post-Jesus, receiving Jesus was life-changing. The forgiveness which I didn't really even understand when I first accepted Jesus. 
You know, I had no preconception when I accepted Jesus into my heart. I had no preconception what church was. I really, truly had no clue. I had started going to church um, from the age 21. I came to church through a food parcel through my mum. I thought, I better come and forgive these people, but they obviously know I do the world good. Here's me with my, um, I think Savannah was probably about six months old. I'm like, everyone's going to judge me and condemn me, so I'm going to get in, thank people, and get out. Um, But something was irresistible there. There's something irresistible about Jesus. And I didn't really have any clue what he was. And I was that person in church. I just kept putting my hand up at the end. And I was like, I'm not sure what I'm doing. I just kept putting my hand up. And this lovely, kind girl came up to me. She's like, let me tell you what you're doing. And I was like, that'd be great. For some reason, at the end of the sermon, my hand just lifts. And um, she's like, she's like, you're responding to Jesus. And I'm like, who's Jesus? Um, so she took me out for coffee and told me what I was doing. Now, he took the mess of my life and he lifted the weight of the world off me. And it's so beautiful when I looked up that meaning of forgiveness. And that's exactly what happens. When Jesus comes into your heart and he becomes your Lord and Savior, he covers you. He lifts you up, takes away your burdens, and you are made to feel light, lifted up into heavenly places. Forgiveness. You're connected back to the Father, the one that has a plan and a future for you. Forgiveness gives you hope. I'd gone from living hopelessly to hope-filled. Jeremiah 29, 11, a lot of us know the scripture, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, a plans to give you a hope and a future. Now I've realized he'll only take me on a journey when he knows I have the strength to get through, when I have hope, when my willpower outweighs my feelings and emotions, because who knows that our emotions and feelings can lie to us. Our emotions and feelings are a good gauge. To me, I was thinking of it like the orange light on the car. (laughs) The red light, isn't it? It's not orange. The red light in the car, which I'm really bad at ignoring too, because who's got time to go to the I hate petrol stations. (laughs) So the red light on the car, it's like a warning, like, hey, I need some gas, my tank is low. But they're not very good at steering. We wouldn't really trust our petrol to steer us. Um, Scripture doesn't say be led by your feelings and emotions. It says be led by the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth and understanding. Now, I had a red light moment over this last year. It's been, as I said, it's been over a year since I preached. And until a month ago, I just suddenly said to Michael, I think I'm ready again. I have a word on my heart from the Father. It had been so long since I had felt like that. And because I hadn't been feeling like that, I actually put myself into condemnation which I had felt shame around of where I was at, especially as a co-leader of this church of Awaken. I felt like I was letting the church down, letting my father down because I was hurting and I was not in a spiritual space. You know, shame holds us back from forgiveness. That's why I love that song, like check your shame at the door because shame holds us back. The shame of who we are, what we've become, of where we're right at. We always think we should be somewhere, somewhere else than where we are right now, but sometimes you are right where you are for a reason. And when I was saved, I was forgiven by the Father, embraced into the family, but I hadn't fully forgiven myself. The more comfortable I got in the family walls, the more comfortable I got sitting and being a part of a family and understanding the Father and sitting in His goodness, the more your walls start coming down, more your coping mechanisms. Because who knows that we all have a lot of coping mechanisms. We set up as children to protect ourselves, but our coping mechanisms as children kind of don't help us at all as adults. They actually hinder us terribly as adults. So I had a lot of coping mechanisms that were coming down. 
And the Holy Spirit starts highlighting areas in your life which are damaging to you, isolating, and that are actually causing you not to receive love. If we can't receive love, how can we become love? And that's the story of Jesus. How do we become love to this world if we can't receive it and we don't know it? Because Jesus is love. Our thoughts and characteristics are molded by trying to fit into our natural family. So quite a lot of our, our, our coping mechanisms and everything and our thoughts and who we think we are start from when we're in our own natural family. But when you get born again into his family, you've got to start lining your thoughts up to the Father. So deep down, we all have this need to be accepted and to belong, even in our own natural families. But sadly, so many of our own parents are going through their own identity crisis. And our parents parent out of lack, hurt, and fear. And as children, we take that on. But then we're blessed with a heavenly father who has none of that. Thank goodness. You know, I built up the coping mechanisms from a young age to perform well, to be noticed, that you have to be beautiful to be accepted. You can't fail. You can't show emotion. If you have issues or be messy, that is not okay. And I often lived, as a child, I lived in a fantasy world. I look back now as a child of what I actually used to do. I used to walk around pushing a pram full of little, lots of little babies. <laughs> and that was my fantasy world, being a mum. And so I'm so blessed now that I'm living that out. And it just cracks me up. When I think about it, I'm like, yeah, I used to, I pushed lots of little babies around and dreamed about being a mom. And that's where I'd take myself when things were hurting, when things were hard. I'd go and push my little double buggy. I had a double one from a young age and I'd fill it and I'd push it around. So we move from our parents' thought to our father's thought. We need to know what heaven thinks about us. Now I was getting comfortable in the father's house, but there was an underlying fear and lie that I believed from a young age that if if life is messy, that things are around me are messy, that means I'm messy. And if I'm messy, that is not lovable and not accepted. And for me, over a year ago, a lot of messy events started unraveling for me in my life. And before then, I actually was in this amazing place with the Father. I felt this close connection. I just felt like this freeness in the Spirit. And I've been hearing Him, getting loads of prophetic words. Like I felt like I was in a good space. And then life started getting messy. And I felt this distance come. And I felt like he was far off. But who knows he's never far off. And so these events, messy events started happening. And what I ended up doing is going back to my old coping mechanisms of self-isolating. So I started drawing on these strategies. For me, I dive into that everything around me needs to be in order so that I'm in order. And if I'm not in order, then that's not okay because everything's going to fall apart. So the messy events started, I was still struggling from that we lost our th third baby in the second trimester, our third son, which hit me harder than it did the first time. And I actually had held unforgiveness to the father over that. And this triggered me to feel that there was something wrong with me and anger came out, which led to me on a forgiveness journey to things I'd been suppressing as a teenager that I had blamed myself for. I thought I was always the reason these things happened to me. That in the end, it wasn't really my fault and I asked for it. To losing close friends over theology, my mum being diagnosed with cancer the first time we're just coming out of that to finding it come back again. Having a spiritual father just speak some words over me that really condemned. Then my mum's cancer coming back and only having five weeks to live. In the midst of that, I lost my spiritual mother over an incident I didn't really have any control over. And so I just went into the self-protecting vortex with a whole lot of forgiveness to take place. And I was just hurting. 
I built the walls back up that I'd already teared down. I'd been in this season of close connection with the Father, and I couldn't get it back, and it was plaguing me. That I, felt like I, I felt like I should be there, but I wasn't there. And I, this, then, yes, I had grief, and there's grace when we have a good, good Father, but there's running to the Father to be comforted, and there's running to the Father to run away from the world. So we can run to the Father to be comforted, or we can actually run to the Father to run away from the world. And I was trying to run to the Father to run away from the world, and I wasn't finding my comfort because I was running. There's a difference. We can be comforted when we can rest in the Father, and we find healing. But when we run to escape, we become really restless. And I don't know about you, but we live in a restless world. It's so restless out there. And this restlessness is how I've been feeling for the last year, and I was so frustrated with myself. We know we have been forgiven, and it's done, that Jesus took our place, but we feel far from that, and we beat ourselves up over it. Does anyone else feel the same? I'm just the only one. Yeah? But he takes us on a journey, but only when you're ready to connect the railroad tracks together, and he'll take you deeper, because out of that, Jesus connects you to the Father. And the counsel of the Holy Spirit. And we want to step into that freedom that He's already won for us. When you accept Jesus, you're saved, but when you know the Father accepts you, you are transformed. So when we accept Jesus, we know we're saved, but when we actually accept the Father, He transforms us. Something may be true about you, but it's not truth. The truth is who God says you are. And on my walk the other day, Suddenly this revelation came to me, made sense of this distance I felt from the Father. I was listening to a sermon. They said, often people say, I don't know what the Father wants me to do next. And he said, and this I think was Bill Johnson, if you can't hear him speak, you're going in the right direction. Keep moving. He'll correct you if you're heading off in the wrong direction. And it just dropped for me. The journey I'd been on for 13 years of rediscovering me, the journey I'd been on finding out who I truly was, the different seasons, the layers that needed to come off before the next season, that needed to keep walking and keep moving. And it comes to that scripture, another big word, it's hard to pronounce, you're like, Esclasius. He's laughing. Oh, one day I'll get these English words. Three verse one, it says, there is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to scatter, a time to gather, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, a time to give up, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear down to be mended, a time to be silent to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time to war, a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden of God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity on men's heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to the end. And just thinking about that, there's a time for everything. Like God's outside of time. To me, it's felt like a really long year, but to him, it's just a bip. And he's like, I'm just taking you. I can see the whole picture. You need to step back for a moment and just trust me in this journey. Because I'm a very strong-willed, independent, need to be accepted. To be honest, as a co-leader of the church, I felt like a fraud over the year because I wasn't 
where I thought I should be or where the leader of the church should be. You know, in that pain of everything being stripped away, I needed to control. But I don't like to control others, I just like to control me, which can make your world very small. So that's basically what happened over the year. I took control of me, things were hurting, I, I just shrunk back. Have you ever done that in life where you just kind of shrink back from everything and you're just like, I just need to survive. But we were never called just to survive, we are called to thrive in life. And that's when sometimes you start realizing, I need to actually start stepping into thriving in life because I'm just not gonna sit here and just keep going on, doing the same thing and not seeing a change. And when you shift your heart in things, suddenly things just started to change for me. I just actually just starting to pick up some small spiritual disciplines. Things started pulling me out of that year and actually getting, giving me God's perspective on it. I just said to myself, okay, this morning I'm just gonna get up and this morning instead of looking on, on my phone, I'm just gonna read a scripture. And the atmosphere changed in the house. Something changed in me. Just small little disciplines can actually change everything. Because there's none like Jesus. There's no friend. We're never alone in these journeys. And he calls to carry our burdens. And you know, as I said that, I'm very good at running. I actually used to, to, to run. Um, just this morning, I actually got up and went for a run. I haven't run for two years. Um, <laughs> so I actually stopped running two years ago because I realized that I used to do that as escapism. I would just go running for like hours and leave Michael at home with the kids. And I'd be like, I'm off for a run. And I always like, I've got something to train for. I've got a half marathon, so I'm off. So I would go off and run. Um, and then towards in that season, I actually got hit with um, hypothyroidism. And so I had to stop because it was not good for my adrenals. But the Father actually says, I want you just to walk by the river and just walk with me. And so it's been a season of just walking with the Father and walking by the river. But actually when I was out walking the other day, I felt that urge in my heart. And he's like, you can go running again. And I was like, oh, I can go running again. But to this morning was different to what I used to do. I used to go running and listen to loads of podcasts. But this morning I was like, I'm just going to go listen and just listen to some worship and pray and run. And it was the most beautiful thing ever. And I couldn't believe it that I actually could run like 5K without stopping. I was like, that's amazing. Anyway, but it was just actually, it was just totally different to what it was before because something had shifted in my heart. I wasn't doing it for me. I was doing it for him. There was something different about it. Let's see where I'm going now. Because if we don't decide to take the path and to make the change, it's a decision. Every day is a decision to pick up your cross and carry it. If we decide not to make the change and actually start stepping towards and walking with Jesus, we can get stuck in unforgiveness. And it binds you, but not only binds you, it actually binds the people that you hold unforgiveness to. It binds people around you. When we refuse to forgive or acknowledge in our lives who we need to forgive, who knows we can only just exist in life and go along the journey in mediocrity, or for what the Bible calls lukewarmness, not doing the self-work. For me, I just know there's so much more for me, so much more joy out there, hope and freedom, if I choose to step into it. But stepping into it means partnering with the king's domain, partnering with the kingdom, the king's domain. You know, I got an image when um, the other week, and this I think will kind of stir me back to like, yes, I'm ready for preach. When Chantel preached the other week about demasking, um, it was amazing. In worship there, I was asking the Father, what is keeping me from you? Sometimes we have to ask these questions. Like, Father, what is keeping me from you? 
Because he's, he's, never, he's, he's never the issue. It's always us. It's like, well, what's keeping me from you? And I could see these railroad tracks. I was on one side of the railroad track. The father was on the other side of the railroad track. And he told me, don't worry, we're always heading in the same direction. But something in my heart felt, I just don't want to go in the same direction as the father. I just don't want it to be a destination. And then he, I took my gaze to the, the big wooden bits that connect the two iron sleepers together, the two iron rods, and there's the wood that connects. And he said, well, that's Jesus. And for you to move along the railroad tracks, it's every day walking with Jesus and stepping with Jesus. And sometimes you're going to go through the tunnel. You're going to go through darkness. You're going to go through hurt. But Jesus connects you to the Father, and it's accepting Jesus every step of the way. You're going to get through it. We're never just meant to park ourselves up and just camp there camp in the darkness. It says, no, walk through the valley of the shadows of death. It doesn't say, pitch your tent, bring a couple of people, get your marshmallows out and just sit there. It doesn't say that. But who, how often do we do that? We get stuck and we like pitch our tent. And I watched a, a little video from Chris Valentine the other day on forgiveness. And he says, often when we're holding unforgiveness in our heart, who knows that turns to bitterness? If we hold on to unforgiveness, it turns to bitterness. And I've seen bitterness rob so many people of their life, especially being in um, pastoring a church. I've seen bitterness rob so many people. And it doesn't just rob them, it robs their family. I've, I've experienced it hands-on with a family member. I've seen bitterness just take everything from someone. And it's just so sad when they, and they think they're forgiven. They've forgiven that person. But the fruit of forgiveness the fruit of forgiveness is joy, love, hope. You know, surely love and mercy will follow me all the ends of my life. That's the fruit of forgiveness. But when we choose bitterness, we're choosing sourness. We're choosing to sit in it. And I've seen it rob people of their lives. And what Chris Valentine was basically saying is when we become bitter, we attract bitter things. We attract other bitter people. And we have our little bitter club. And they were like, let, let's get together. And he actually says, and we call it a home group. And I was like, cool. <laughs> um, and, so, and then we pray and we're like, pray for my pastor. Oh yeah, yeah, he needs to be prayed for. And we use it, you know, like we, we, all, we gather together in the bitterness and we find the same people that hold offense with the same person. And when we come to, come to that person, finally come to them, and it's like, well, I know you're wrong because I think he said, Mary, Joseph and baby Jesus agree with me too. And he's like, they bring up all the people that they've shared it with. And that means that they've actually got unforgiveness in the heart. And they've got their whole little army with them. Like these people, they, they justify me to stay bitter to you. I'm justified because of them. And that's not okay. And do you know what? That actually causes disunity in the church. It affects the whole kingdom. If you're holding unforgiveness this morning, don't condemn yourself. Don't sit in shame about it. Be like, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to bring unity to the body of Christ because I want to impact the city. I want to see everyone reach in love and hope of Jesus Christ. But, and we all have to take part in this and be like, I'm going to move towards forgiveness. And it's, it's I love Ephesians. I had more of my notes, but I'm pressing on for time. Um, I love this in Ephesians. It says, our new life in Christ. But it's not the, the, not the way of life Christ has unfolded within you. But is this not the way of life that Christ is unfolding with you? If you have really experienced the anointed one and heard his truth, it was seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. And he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man, the old self life, which is corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from disillusion. Man, I've been disillusioned before. 
Now it's time to be made a new, made new by every revelation that has been given to you and be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within you as your new life and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness. And now you belong to him in the realm of true holiness. So discard every form of dishonesty and lie so that you will be known as the one who speaks truth. For we all belong to one another. Don't let your passion or your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let your anger control you or be fueled by revenge. Not for even a day. Don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. If anyone of you has stolen from someone else, never do it again. Instead, be industrious, earn a living, honest living, and then you'll have enough to bless those in need. And, let, and never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage one another. Do this by speaking words of grace to help. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Christ Jesus until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Holy Spirit or take for granted His holy influence in your life. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity and insult, but instead be kind and affectionate towards one another. God has graciously forgiven you, then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You that You never leave us to do this journey alone, that You're always with us. You send us Your great comforter, the Holy Spirit, to lead us into all wisdom and understanding. Father, I just ask You right now as we just sit here, I love how You just gently, gently correct us of where we've been thinking wrongly. Because Lord, You wanna set us free. So Father, I just think if we hold any unforgiveness, Lord, including myself, Lord, just reveal it. Lord, I wanna release that person. I wanna release that person so they can find you. I want them to know the goodness of Jesus. And Lord, I just wanna be closer to you and know your love and your heart towards me. Because we'll be known for our love for one another. Lord, help us love ourselves. Take the journey of self to have a look at why we do things, why we feel things, why we act sometimes the way we act. That's not who you created us to be. Lord, help us just be still and know that you are God and trust you in that moment, that you'll never fail us, you'll never forsake us, that you're always for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're just going to go into a song, and I just want to really encourage you take this as a moment because He is here. He is here this morning, and He will only lead you to where He knows that you can go. He's the best Father, His unconditional love for you. His heart burns for you. Don't trap yourself away from it. Lord, we just release you this morning. Lord, we just thank you that you're breaking strongholds. 
Lord, that this is a safe place where the walls can come down. There's no shame, no condemnation. There's just freedom reigns in this place. Your freedom reigns in this place. let him minister to you. Just as they sing the song, let the words just soak into your soul. Just experience his freedom and his goodness and his love this morning. I've come to realise there is a time when you need hands to be laid on you and you need prayer from one another. But there's a time when you just need the Father. You just need him. And he is enough. And you are enough. And He can come minister to you like no one else can minister to you. He can heal those broken places like no one else. Lord, I thank You that You're binding up the broken heart this morning and You're setting the captives free. Lord, we just thank You that Your will be done. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, Lord, we, we lose heaven. We lose Your goodness. And Lord, we just bind, we bind the things that are keeping us captive here on earth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Be still.